Praise the Lord. Well, the Lord is good, isn't he? Say it out loud. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Say that with me this time. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. One more time. Let's lift our hands and praise God for His goodness and for His mercy. Thank you, Lord, for Your goodness. Thank you for Your mercy. Glory to God, Your goodness to save, Your goodness to heal, Your mercy to save, Your mercy to heal, Your divine compassion. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Ephesians, the 6th chapter and the 18th verse, the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Among other things, Prayer is a spiritual exercise. Prayer is fellowshipping with our Father God. Prayer is getting into His presence. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to talk this morning about the prayer of worship and praise. Remember the Word of God says that God inhabits the praises of His people. So if you want to get into His presence, you've got to get into praise. That is prayer. Somebody said, praise is the highest type of prayer. Now worship, praise, and thanksgiving all go together. Notice how that they are tied in with prayer. You remember what Paul said, or better yet, the Spirit of God said to Paul, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort therefore that first of all, prayers, supplications, intercessions, now notice this, and giving of thanks. Giving of thanks be made for all men. Now notice this. So you'd know who who was talking about the all men, he goes on to speak about, you see, those that are in authority. Now notice that he not only said pray for them, but he said give thanks. A lot of times, you know, we have uh, national days of prayer sometimes and put great emphasis on prayer. Well, we've got to balance it out. That's the reason sometimes it doesn't work any better than what it does. Because folks really don't get into the presence of God. You get into the presence of God through worship and praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. So you notice he said here, I exhort therefore that first of all, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then he specifies in the next verse, for kings and for all that are in authority. So we're always having special prayer days. Why don't we have special praise days? 
special days of giving of thanks. Most people's prayers would start working anyway if they'd quit praying and start praising. <laughs> Amen. Now notice another verse of Scripture. That was 1 Timothy, the second chapter, in the first and second verses that I read. Notice another verse of Scripture in connection with prayer again now. Uh, Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians 4, 6. Better yet, I like to say the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, In Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. King James translation, that's a little bit blind to us. We don't just get that right off. Another translation, modern translation said, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, what are you going to do then? If you can't worry about it, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> but in everything, how many things? Everything. Few things? Everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Hallelujah. That's the giving of thanks, isn't it? With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now then, let's look into the Acts of the Apostles. Let's look to first to the 13th chapter of the Acts. Acts chapter 13. The Word of God says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Maonon, which had been brought up with Herod. And then it concludes by naming Saul, or that's Paul. Now, I want you to notice this second verse now. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, there's the word pray or prayed, laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, as they, evidently these five men who were ministers, either prophets or teachers or a prophet and a teacher, as they ministered to the Lord. You see, that's what the prayer of worship and praise is. It is ministering unto the Lord. As they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, you see, that's the kind of atmosphere that God moves in. Back again, you remember we quoted this text in the Old Testament where God said, where the scripture said that he inhabits the praises of his people. Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost inhabits the praises of his people. So it was in that kind of atmosphere that they got direction from God. You see, a lot of times people are praying about things, and that's correct, of course, but yet right on the other hand, get into the presence of God and you're right there where the answer is. How do you get into his presence? I said prayer is getting into his presence through worship, praise, and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. They ministered to the Lord. Then here in the Acts of the Apostle, just turn a few pages to the 16th chapter of Acts. And we see again 
the very thought exemplified that we're talking about. Now here in this 16th chapter of Acts is the story of Paul and Silas at Philippi. And the word of God, you know, they were arrested. And the word of God says, begin reading with the 23rd verse, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison. So they had beaten them, laid many stripes upon their backs. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. The next verse said, who, that's the jailer, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now what's the next word? And. And. See, they prayed and. See, we have a lot of praying, but we forget about and. Are you listening? They prayed and. And is a conjunction. It joins what has just been said to what's about to be said. Hallelujah. They did not just pray. They prayed and sang praises unto one another. <laughs> to whom? Unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now then notice. And the prisoners heard them. So they weren't quiet about it. They were praying right out loud. And at midnight singing right out loud. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep. And seeing the prison doors open. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all of his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house.
Hallelujah. Now, notice that the deliverance came, or the answer came, not while they were praying, but while they were praising. Like I said, if most folks, things they've been praying about sometimes even for years would quit praying, start praising God, they wouldn't be long till there'd be a manifestation. When did the answer come? While they were praising God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? At midnight, now this is literally midnight. That's the time of day. But I believe also there can be a, a spiritual thought here. You can spiritualize it. At midnight in your life, what are you going to do? You know what I mean when I say midnight, don't you? That's the darkest hour. What are you going to do? Just what they did. Pray. Well, I've been praying for years, but have you been singing praises? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember hearing one of the leaders of one of the full gospel groups, in fact, one of their assistant general superintendents, say that uh, he started preaching just as a teenager. Now, of course, at the time he was talking about this, he was... 50 some odd years of age, nearly 60. But he had uh, been in the ministry ever since he's a teenager. And so at 16 years of age, he was holding a youth revival in a church. During this youth revival, the pastor was called away to preach a funeral in another church that he had formerly pastored. They wanted him to come back and preach the funeral, and he did. And so this boy, 16-year-old boy, in the ministry though, just beginning, he was staying in the pastures with the pastor and his family. They had a boy almost his same age, a son. And so in the nighttime, one of the families of the church called the pastor's wife. They had a little baby, not, not, not just a few days old, but a few months old. About an eight, ten-month-old child, somewhere in that vicinity. And this child had gone into convulsions. It was sick, running a fever, and it had gone into convulsions. So they're calling for prayer. Well, the pastor didn't get back. In fact, he was gone overnight before he could get back because he drove some distance where he had to preach the funeral. And so the pastor's wife asked this young man, this teenager, you know, because after all, he's holding the meeting, they're having a youth revival, to go with her. And so he said, of course, he was just learning in those days. But he's really the only one that's really a minister that's present, or, you know, in the ministry. The pastor's wife is in the ministry with her husband, but she is not a minister. She doesn't have the call of God upon her. She just says, help me. So they asked him to anoint the child. Well, he anointed the child. Very bravely, he said, he prayed. He said everything he'd heard, ever heard anybody else say. And he rebuked the devil and rebuked the fever and rebuked everything he'd ever heard anybody else rebuke. And uh, they finally all joined in and prayed, and the child's no better. I mean, it's still in convulsions. And he said he'd done everything he knew to do. He didn't do anything else. They're all just there. And said, suddenly the pastor's wife just broke out uh, singing praises unto God. Not just praising, but singing it. Sort of sing-song fashion, you know. Just praises. Hallelujah. And she praised God that way for a little bit. And he said, one by one, we all picked that up until the mother and the father 
the pastor's wife and the young minister were all singing praises to God. And while we were singing praises to God, suddenly the uh, convulsion ceased. Well, we praised God for a while, not just necessarily singing them, but just praising the Lord and talking fellowships with one another. Child seemed to be doing all right. We was about ready to go and suddenly went back into convulsions. Well, he said, I went through the same process again. I anointed the child with oil again. I laid hands on it. I prayed for it. I rebuked the devil. I rebuked the fever. I did everything that I'd ever seen anybody do. You know, just more or less hoping something to work. And nothing seemed to work. Child just still in a seizure or convulsions. And finally, the pastor's wife again began to sing. Sing song fashion, you know, praises to God. And one by one, we all picked it up. Remember, he inhabits the praises of his people. And one by one, we all picked it up. And we were just all singing praises to God. Suddenly, the convulsion ceased and never to return. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you see, Paul knew that. And so Paul and Silas at midnight. You see, this was midnight in that folks' home, their child's in convulsions. At midnight, midnight, midnight in your life. Follow the scriptures, glory to God, and do what God's word said for faith acting on God's word. And you'll get results too. Are you listening? And so at midnight, they prayed and sang praises to God. Hallelujah. Deliverance came. Victory came. Now then, let's look at a, an incident or a happening or whatever in the Old Testament. After all, you know, God's the same God now that he was then. Hallelujah. He hadn't changed. We may be under the new covenant, but it's just better. Amen. Now then notice this. Here in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles, we see another illustration of what I'm talking about. In a sense of the word, you could say it was midnight in the life of Jehoshaphat and Judah. Now, I don't mean literally the hour midnight, but midnight in their life. Here's a dark hour. Here's the hour of test. Here's the hour of trial. Let's read about it. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab... And the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee. That is a dark hour, isn't it? Amen saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea, on this side Syria. Now the third verse says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. 
and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest thou not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? In thy hand is there, is, is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil come upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, or test, or trial, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Now, this is his prayer. We can learn something from it. The enemy, you see, the land of Canaan, that's what he was talking about in his prayer, God gave to Israel. And he said, uh, when we came in, you wouldn't let us destroy these people. And now then they've come to cast us out of thine inheritance. Now the land of Canaan, you see, the Old Testament is types and shadows. Canaan's land, we used to think, I know as a Baptist minister and raised up in the Baptist church well, for years, every time we went to church. I remember that first country church that I pastored. I mean every single service. Our theme song was, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound, I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. We seem to think that Canaan is a type of heaven. But it isn't. It couldn't be. We didn't know that. We're just walking in what light we had. Because you see, when you get to heaven, there won't be any giants in the land. There, there won't be any enemies there. There won't be any cities to take and battles to fight. Are you listening to me? No, Canaan's land. You see, Egypt is a type of the world. We're delivered out of the world. But then we should enter into Canaan's land. Canaan's land's a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, God said to Israel that the land that you're going into is not as the land that you came out of. A table land, Israel, or Egypt. A table land where thou plantest thy herb or seed and watered it with your foot. Egypt had little or no rainfall except way back down the southern part up in the mountains and, and uh, the water then run down through the Nile River and so they would irrigate out of the Nile River and they had a contraption that they walked on, you see, to keep the water flowing and that's the reason they watered their seed with their foot, you see. 
but the land you're going into drinketh water of the rains of heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. It's a land of hills and valleys. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Canaan's land is a type. Now, I want you to get this here. Is a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a type of divine healing. It's a type of our blessings and our rights and our privileges in Christ Jesus. Now here comes an enemy to rob us of not just our inheritance, but his. He's the one that gave it to us. You see, God bless so many dear people. Bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. Here comes an enemy. You know as well as I knew that sickness and disease is not a friend. It's an enemy. It's an enemy to your body. It's an enemy to your mind. It's an enemy to your spirit. It's, sickness and disease is a thief. It steals. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have a life. And so here comes the thief to rob us of our inheritance in Canaan's land. See, this can be the same type. Oh, you're following me. And, and Christian people, you see, will just say, well, now maybe God sent that on me. God doesn't send out thieves. Amen. Sickness is a thief. It's, it steals health. Disease is a thief. It steals health. It steals money that we need for other things. It's a robber. Loved ones are robbed of rest. They have to be up over sick ones to take care of them. See what disease and sickness has done to that young man. I'm thinking of a young man right now, my acquaintance many years ago, who was stricken with tuberculosis. In the 30s, tuberculosis was a, a killer, uh, one of the main ones. It came upon him 28 years of age. It robbed him of his health. It made him a burden to his family. Though he was a young married man, didn't marry till he's about 26, been married a couple of years. But tuberculosis came upon him. Well, he had to go back home to his family. Who's going to take care of him? You see, he was a burden to his family. Sickness and disease robbed that family of money they needed for other things. Robbed him of his health. Robbed him of his manhood. Robbed his wife of a husband. You think God's the author of that? No, a thousand times no. Look what disease and sickness did to that young woman. I'm thinking of a mother right now, 30 years of age. Four small children. Sickness and disease, the thief came, robbed her of her health, made her a burden to her family, robbed those little children of a mother, robbed that husband of a wife. You think God's the author of that? No, a thousand times no. That's the work, friends, of the devil, the enemy, the thief. Amen? Amen. Now listen, I want you to get the, I want you to get the, the type, the picture. The example, Paul said, you know, writing to the Corinthians, talking about Israel, what happened to them happened as an ensample, or we would say an example for us 
time and so on. All right. So now notice what he said. I want you to get the picture now. Behold, that 11th verse of the 20th chapter of 2 Chronicles. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. Now notice he didn't say to cast us out of our possession, though that is true. But this enemy has come to cast us out of thy possession. See, that's where Christian folks miss it. Oh, I'm so glad I learned early. I'm so glad I learned as a teenager where sickness and disease come from. And I just won't let the enemy cast me out of God's possession. It's my possession, but it's God's possession. I'm not the one that provided healing. He is. God did something about it. Himself took our infirmities, Jesus did, and bare our sicknesses. And going back to Isaiah, because Matthew said he's quoting Isaiah, it said, Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our diseases. Now notice, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. Oh, that's not something the Roman soldiers did to him. He wasn't smitten of God when they whipped him with the whip. Smitten of God. No, God laid on him our disease and sicknesses. Amen. It's his possession and it's ours because we're his. And here comes the enemy to rob us of his possession. What are we going to do about it? I don't know about you. I can remember when my children were small and I'm responsible then. Now as they get up older, they're going to have to do things for themselves. Here came the enemy to cast us out of God's possession which thou has given us to inherit. I don't know about you. I'd get mad. I'd just get mad. And as we say down here in Texas and Oklahoma, go after the devil, praise God, tooth and toenail. <laughs> Amen. I just get mad. Say, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. You don't put that on my kids. This is our possession. This is God's possession. You're an enemy and you've got to leave here. And I can remember a lot of times, Pat, you know, this is 19 much younger than Ken and Orisha would say to me, you know, honey, uh, before you go to bed, usually I was studying. I didn't know much in those days. Don't know too much yet, but found out a few things. And, and, and I, I was constantly studying. I think it's fine for folks. I think folks should. Uh, and I do more now than I did. Uh, you know, have recreation and so on, but I never, I never. I, I, it's just so much I didn't know. And if I don't know, I'm going to find out. So I never did go fishing. I never did go hunting. I never did do a lot of things. It's good and legitimate. Don't misunderstand me. But I spend all my time reading and all my time studying. Hour on in. Hour on in. Hour on in. Day after day. Night after night. So my, my Aretha would say to me, uh, uh, Pat's running a fever. Well, many times I've just knelt by the bed and laid my hand on that brow and it's hot. And uh, I'd just start laughing. Never did pray what we call pray. I just laughed and praised God. And while I'm a laughing and praising God, I could feel that brow just go cool under my hand. You say, what are you laughing about? Because she is sick? No, because the devil's defeated foe. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. He's not going to cast us out of our inheritance. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Can you say Amen. 
Well, let's go on reading. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now, you know, within ourselves, we are insufficient. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about from the natural standpoint, but thanks be unto God, the Lord's on our side. You have to remember, of course, the Bible's progressive revelation. We got more revelation, and we're living under a better covenant than what they lived under, but yet we can learn something here. All right, let's go on reading. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. That sounds a whole like, a whole lot like 13th chapter of Acts we got through reading. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Hallelujah, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? So came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thy king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. God never does come with a message of fear. Hallelujah. And over in the New Testament, Paul said, you know, right in the Timothy, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Did you ever notice every time either an angel, a messenger from God came, he'd always, when he came, first thing he'd say, fear not, fear not, fear not. When the Spirit of God moves, he never comes with a message of fear. And so here, Spirit of God came upon this man. And he began to prophesy. And he said, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord unto you. This is what the Lord's saying. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Nor dismayed. Because of this great multitude. Now why? You know, it's not enough just to tell a person not to be afraid and don't be dismayed because of the, what you're facing. Why? I'm glad God always gives you the best reason in the world not to be afraid. He tells you why. He gives you something to base your faith upon, bless God. For the battle is not yours. Will we ever learn that? Will we ever learn that? The battle is not yours, but God's. Boy, isn't that a relief. They may be a big crowd, great multitude. They may be three armies, and they are three armies. It's banded together. But praise God, all three of them is not as big as God is. <clears throat> See, that's where we miss it. We think the battle's ours, so we keep judging. Oh, I, I, oh my Lord, I never do that. I, I can't do it. It's bigger than I am, see. But when you realize 
and you begin to measure that battle or whatever it is you face, when you begin to measure it instead of with you, you begin to measure it with God, then it shrinks. Glory, 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 glory. The battle's not yours. The battle's not yours. The battle's not yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you ever notice how these different kinds of prayers very often tie together and go together and we, we, we separate them to differentiate them. But you see, that comes right back to casting your cares on the Lord and then he can do something about it. The battle's not yours. The battle's not yours. See, though you've been trying to fight it. Be not afraid. Fear not. Be not dismayed. Now, doesn't that sound a whole like, you know, God don't ever change. But way over here in the book of Isaiah, let's turn over there for just a minute. God's the same God. Hallelujah. God of the old covenants, the God of the new covenant. Notice what God said here in Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not. See, that's, that sounds a whole lot like what he said over there, doesn't it? Fear not. Be not dismayed. Here he said, fear thou not. Now why? For I'm thy God. I'll tell you the truth about the matter. And where, where, where the failure is so many times. To some people, the devil is a great big somebody. And God's about an inch and a half tall. <laughs> and Christian people will talk about the devil more than the will of God and what he's doing. Well, the devil just taking everything over. All the young people are going to the dogs. I heard that when I was a teenager, back in the 30s. Devil's going to take everything over. I don't mean among sinners. I mean among the spirit-filled, born-again, tongue-talking Christians. All the young folks are going to the dogs. I said, no, they're not. The first place, the devil's not going to take everything over because if he did, he'd have to take me over and he can't. Not because I'm somebody, but because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And all the young people's not going to the dog because I'm a young person. I'm just, just a teenager and I'm not going to the dogs. Hallelujah. You know what they meant by going to the dogs? And you see, a lot of Christian people, they're always looking into the world, you see. Well, I'm not of this world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And they're talking about what the devils are doing, what the crime rate is, and what is happening here, and what's happening there. And keep magnifying the works of the devil all the time. But I'll tell you, bless God, I'm magnifying the works of God. Hallelujah. Until they become fearful then. They become fearful. Do you ever notice that? Every single one of them become fearful. I watched this as a, as a teenager and as a young man then. 
just in my early 20s. I remember a man when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and came over among Pentecostal circles. And uh, I, being raised, born and raised Southern Baptist, we had a lot of preaching on the subject of prophecy, and I believed in the second coming of Jesus. In fact, I preached a lot about prophecy in those days. And I remember a dear man, bless his darling heart, he's old enough to be my grandpa, Pentecostal preacher. That's his main theme, revelation. And that's all right. God really calls you to do that. But if you, you can get on the wrong side of it, it'll whip you. And they, you know, they didn't even, even in the full gospel group I was with, they didn't all agree. You're never going to get everybody to agree on every little thing about revelation. They didn't all agree. But that didn't bother me because I didn't agree with them anyway. But then we, would go, we, we just went on and served God and God blessed us, you know, in spite of our disagreement. But now this fella preached prophecy from the standpoint of gloom and doom <laughs> instead of victory. Well, he believed Jesus is coming, but I think, I don't know, I don't think he actually said so. Maybe just come right out and said it, but, but I got the impression, the way he preached, you know, that things don't get worse and the saints, you know, and the church is all going through the tribulation. And, and, and he's always, until I noticed he got so fearful till it began to affect him. I pastored right close to him. It began to affect his physical life. All he could preach was doom and gloom. I said to my people, well, let them doom and gloom on if they want to, but I'm going to shout and praise God. When you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head and gripe. No, no, no. Lift up your heads and rejoice for your redemption draws nigh. Praise God. And that poor fellow, bless his heart, some terrible things happened to him because he was afraid. Ah, you better get ready for it. They told us back there then. Better get ready for it. Coming on all the earth. I'm not going to try to explain it to it. It may surprise you, but I've got news for you. You better study your Bible again. The Antichrist is not going to rule the whole earth anymore than I am. Are you listening to me? Amen. Yeah, back there in the 30s, the devil's going to take over. You better start storing up food and getting ready and get underground. Get a cave, stick your head somewhere. They told me that. Some folks think that's all new nowadays. I heard that 50 years ago, almost. Yeah. Didn't believe it then, don't believe it now. Amen. Fear. Fear, dismay, gloom, defeat. No, that's not our God. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Be not dismayed. Hallelujah. So, fear thou not. See? Now, why? Isaiah 41, 10. For I am with thee. Back over there, you see in 2 Chronicles, fear thou not, neither be thou dismayed. Now why? The battle's not yours. I'm with you. The battle's not yours. It's mine. It's God's. Fear thou not. Why? I'm with you. 
can you really believe he's with you and be afraid? No. No. See, you get your eyes off of him and onto the circumstance, onto the enemy. Then you get fearful. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll walk right over the top of the enemy. In fact, instead of hiding, running away and hiding, you'll go out looking for the devil. Amen. Amen. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am thy God. Yeah, but you don't understand, Brother Hagin. I just feel so weak. Well, he said, I'll strengthen thee. Yeah, but I just feel so helpless. He said, I'll help thee. Yeah, but I don't know whether I can make it or not. Well, I will uphold thee. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. He's my strength. He's my help. He's on my side. He's for me. He's with me. Oh, yes, there comes the midnight hour. There comes the test, the trial. I've been there, but in the midst of it, I reminded myself, he's on my side. Oh, I was tempted. Oh, yes. But I don't listen to the flesh or my head or the devil or unbelieving Christians. (laughs) Amen. I looked the storm in the face and said, he's with me. He's my helper. He's my strength. I'm not afraid. Devil said, yes, you are. You're trembling all over physically. No, I'm not. Bless God, I refuse to be afraid. Amen. My body's not me. It's just a house I live in. Amen. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful. I'm not dismayed. He's my strength. He's my help. He's the one that's upholding me with the right hand of his righteousness. I'm holding on to him. I've, I've said more than once, Mr. Devil, in fact, in the midst of storm, oh, if I could tell you, which I will not, we're not magnifying tests, we're magnifying the deliverer of victory, praise God. But I'm literally in the midst of struggle, in the midst of test, in the midst when it seems you're, you're whipped, it's all over. I, I mean, if you've got half, half sense and one eye, from the natural standpoint, you just give up. But I've just literally took the Bible, laid it down on the floor and stood on it. And said, Mr. Devil, I want to tell you something. I'm standing on this book. You keep hollering, you're going down. In fact, you said you're already gone. The circumstances said you're already gone. But I want you to know something. I'm not going down because I'm standing on his word. Amen. And I want you to know something else. I'm holding on to Jesus. Praise God, I'm holding on to God. And they're bigger than you are. So I'm not going down. Then I looked up and I said, Dear Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, I'm standing on your word. I'm holding on to you. And if we go down, me and you will go down together. If I go down, it will be because you went down. But thank God we're not going down because you can't go down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I looked around the devil and run. He is gone, he's gone. 
Oh, the circumstances didn't all clear up immediately, but I knew I had it. Praise God, because he's gone. Yeah. Amen. Don't worry, I'm helping you or not, but I'm preaching me happy. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fear thy not, for I'm with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I just wonder sometimes about who uh, some people's God. Who are they trusting? How big is he? Like I said, the devil to some people is about, you know, great big fella, and God's a little bitty fella. No, it's the other way around, brother. Amen. Did you listen? Did you hear me? Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. What's that got to do with the prayer of worship and praise and thanksgiving? That's a reason we can worship him. That's a reason we can praise him. That's a reason we can thank God in the midst of storm because he's God, hallelujah. And he's my God. And he's my father. Glory, 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 glory. Well, let's go back to the 20th chapter, 2 Chronicles again real quickly here. He said, the battle is not yours, but God's. But now that doesn't mean that you just sit down and don't do anything. I think we need to learn here. We do have our part to play. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. See, he said it again. Because that's, people are so tempted here. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Hallelujah. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe. Here's the secret of the whole thing. Believe in the Lord your God. That God that said, Fear not. That God that said, Be not dismayed. I'm with you. I'm your help. I'm your strength. I'll uphold you. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord. Believe him. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. That they should praise. Praise. See, so the singers, you could say, he appointed praisers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the army, and to say, now here's what they said. They evidently sing it or just chanted it. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. 
Oh, glory. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. When? Don't that sound like Paul and Silas over there? Midnight they prayed and sang praises. While they were singing praises unto God, the victory came, the answer came, the deliverance came. Isn't that right? Notice here, they had prayed. They had had a, God had spoke to them by the spirit of prophecy. But nothing happened until they began to sing praises. Amen, isn't that right? When they began to sing praises unto God, it tells you exactly what they sing. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now notice the 23rd verse. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, uttered to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked upon the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead body and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil for it was so much. I'll tell you, bless God, just stand up and start praising God. You'll get so much you can't take it all home with you. Glory to God. It'll, you'll have to make several trips to take it all home. Come on, let's stand up and praise God. What do you say? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.